0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: Are you tired of and scratches ruining the look of your car? Look no further than Porter's Body Shop in Brookhaven. Call us at 601-833-1861 or visit us online at portersbodyshopms.com
0: Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mama's on the radio now to answer your questions and
2: call you.
3: Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is Weekend Gardening. We are live. And in quite a bit of color, particularly if you are looking in on the video at supertalk.tv. Thank you very much for that. I always love to say, you know, radio is one of those things where people look like whatever they look like in your head. But if you want to see, you can actually see in our case. So come on over, whichever way you want to participate. You may be enjoying the broad- the broadcast this morning i hope so because we are actually here in real time it is the day before easter the first full day of pesach and an awful lot of other things going on i've seen the weather reports i've seen everything else this t- this particular day and i got to tell you there are fewer perhaps um fewer dilemmas this particular weekend. For all of you who, like me, have been gardening or do garden with other folks that don't want to plant anything in the spring garden until after Easter, we're getting close. (laughs) Now, that's not to say I haven't already planted in terms of vegetables and some flowers, but if you really want to You can say that this is the the weekend of the early planters and the later planters all coming together. It also, of course, marks the end of Lent for many observant people, and that indicates, I understand, very high chocolate sales all over the countryside as people go back to whatever it was they gave up which in many cases is something that they enjoy very much like chocolate thank you so much for tuning in to weekend gardening you might be here with me this morning you might be watching or listening the rebroadcast you may have downloaded on demand at supertalk.fm and in that case whatever day it is I thank you for being a gardener and I thank you very very much for being a listener as well few words today Yes, that's right. I always love um, to be able to bring to you words that I didn't know. It's not necessarily words you didn't know, but it's words that I didn't know. Um, I, it turns out I do not have enough BAM-15, and that has nothing to do with Emerald Lagasse. But I am, however, frugivorous. Fru-giver. Yeah, frugivorous, I sure am we 'll get into those things this morning. You want to talk triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven I sincerely hope you do because this program is all about plants, planting. The problems we have the joys that we celebrate and sometimes it's just the commiserating that we do together and of course if you want to get in touch on the text line that would be terrific the c spy text line is six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. thank you all very very much for that right away we have a call from harrison county from jody welcome in thanks for calling today. what's going on today on the coast jody
4: oh i'm just out here uh working in my garden moving my I've got a whole lot of lettuce came up in one spot so I'm breaking it up and kind of spreading it out
3: you lucky rascal sure. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have trouble getting lettuce to germinate you know well that's I great
4: I, I've had a lot of success with lettuce and, and I've got I can do the same thing with the spinach down at the other end of the row um, I, I was uh wanting to see if you had any ideas on something i Have a huge patch of uh, blackberries. I've got an eighth of a mile of driveway, and it's all all throughout there. But there's one spot where it's just really thick. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading Richard. I think it's Lasseter or Lancer. uh, The the book's called Grow It. Yes. And he he suggested that you could actually claim those things and kind of halfway tame them. I was wondering is how would you go about doing that?
3: Well it's not easy but here's what the here's how the process works there's two approaches to a patch of wild blackberries or other wild really thorny berries (laughs) that are going to tear you up if you get too close to them Um, now i'm not a big fan of them for me because i don't like dealing with all those seeds i don't want to have to go out and make jelly i would rather have blackberries that have a few seeds in them you know an improved variety or even seedless ones are okay too but In the case of my wildlife area, I have always had some wild blackberries that somebody brought me from Yazoo County and said, you really need these, and I can't remember right now which bird it was that was particularly fond of them because they all seem to devour the fruit when it arrives. Um, They're only about as big as the end of my fingertip. So they're not a cultivated berry at all, and they are very, very thorny. The way that I have done it to maintain them literally was to draw a line where I wanted them to be, and then start with a string trimmer. And I believe even a chainsaw was involved once to keep them in that space. And after about a year of defeating everything that tried to come out of that space, it it turned out to be a very beautiful stand of blackberries. I don't go in and try to do what we would do with cultivated blackberries, where we would remove canes every year so that new canes can come up. But I do throw some compost in there so that there are some more, you know, there's always some new canes coming up. But it it's a thorny mess to maintain, but if you can do it, I say go for it. What a beautiful driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: it is. And it's even got dewberries too, but I, I don't like it worth. Now it, we're
3: talking about think. something that I'll go to the edge of the world for cuz <laughs> I love some dewberries. <laughs> Me too.
4: I like them before the ripe right myself.
3: Well, th- there's a tartness there that's not a problem. You're right. You're right. I've had them in salsa before when they were not quite ripe and I thought it was delicious.
4: Yeah. Well, miss Nelly, I'm going to let you get to somebody else. Thank I you, sir. Have talk. a
3: wonderful morning. Enjoy it cuz I think we're in for some We're in for some more rolling weather this week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I mean this weekend. Next week looks pretty good actually. Thank you for calling. Good to hear from you. I am not a meteorologist nor do I play one on the radio, but all gardeners pay attention. Um if you if you ever wanted to know about what the weather's going to do, ask a farmer, ask a gardener, you know, a- ask um well, you can actually ask a crop dusting pilot too cuz they always know. <laughs> their their job depends on it. No question. Coming in this morning, Greg says, "Hey, I hope we are all we are doing well over here." He says that Noah's Ark just passed by over there. It was kind of um, thundery and rainy in Central Mississippi last night, but I understand that that you and you, you and Nettleton have got a, a bigger. Uh, last night was rougher, and I, I just there's nothing that anybody can say except. This is a time when we've not really experienced this. We've we've when I back in the day as as the old woman says I thought that tornadoes were Kansas and, you know, Wizard of Oz and all of that sort of thing. There've always been tornadoes, it's just that we seem to have so many more of them and in fact the records show that we are indeed having more of them in April and unfortunately also in March. But We have got to really understand what do you, this is the next program that I want to do. What do you do with a dead tree? Because we have a whole lot of them. I did these programs, um, after Katrina, not because I am incessantly optimistic, but because I really realized that if we have a resource, we need to put it to work. And for all those of you who are grinding up tree stump, grinding things up and cutting down trees and leaving stumps to put plant pots on top of and dig into and add a new vine, I, I say congratulations. And the more that you're helping somebody else that can't do it for themselves, the, the more stars in your crown. So thank you very, very much for that. Ken says uh, a banana as a starter for a lime tree. You'll have to tell me a little bit more about that. Um, lime trees in zone eight are not going to be hardy in the ground, but. They're certainly a wonderful tree. I've had a couple of dwarf ones myself over the years and they made wonderful fruit, just had to keep them in a container to protect them in inclement weather. But I'll have to hear about a reference from that. And you know, Ken, when you when you start by saying that you saw it on Facebook, I would always say that that's a good it's a very good disclaimer, but I don't I don't know I don't know who said it, so I can't really tell you what I think about it. How about that? I am so happy about banana shrubs. Oh my goodness! I hope yours are blooming. This has been a magnificent week. It's going to be a, a warm day at my place, and the, open the front door today, and the, the the scent just blew me off the steps. It was just beautiful. They are, um, of course, an old tree. They're hardy to zone eight, not so hardy zone seven. But in some cases, in protected areas, they do find there. Just it's the same thing as uh, like an oleander. It's not technically necessarily hardy, but a lot of them can be cut back a little bit by cold weather and still come right on not ever lose their roots. So there's there's something to be said for that plant in that way. And I really do like it a uh, very, very much. It's fun. It's a great one to have. Uh, do you want to know what the noises are like on Mars? Don't I have enough noises already in my life? Come on now. Perseverance, um, the the rover there has been studying Mars since February of 2021, has for the first time recorded the acoustic environment of the red planet. Um, It's reporting in Nature, so it's this is documented very very well. We've never never had anything to record sound. You know, I, I can't imagine why we've been going there and measuring stuff for fifty years probably and yet we this is the first time that we have ever recorded the first sounds. Um that, that fall let me say this, with that fall within our hearing, human audible hearing, okay? Pretty interesting stuff. Um it's very quiet there. And in fact they thought at times that the microphone had quit working. <laughs> but it's just very quiet. We would not have thought of Mars as a quiet place, but now we know that in fact it is. Perseverance is, of course, one of the rovers that continues to do amazing work collecting samples and teaching us things about places that we aren't necessarily going to go ourselves. Um, I, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. What is it that I don't have enough of? Um, it, it, of course, BAM-15 is what I don't have enough of today. And I think most people would feel like they don't. This is not just a weird thing with me. But from the Pennington Biomedical Research Center smart people they do a lot of stuff Uh, these are not studies in humans these are animal studies but when they discovered this particular bam 15 uh, which is a one of those mitochondrial uncouplers if we've talked about mitochondria here once we've talked about it a thousand times and it it's one of those things that nobody knows enough about it's, it's, as, it's as delicious, magical, confusing, and scientific as any anything is. But what we have found about this one is that in this particular uncoupler, this one that takes them apart, okay, could in fact be what prevents, all right, age-related muscle loss, which is <clears throat> unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, you may not know this, but if you are fortunate enough to live to full adulthood and then some, you actually do indeed have age-related muscle loss to one extent or another, and it's accompanied by an increase in fat tissue. (gasps) Does that tell you something? Well, that's real, okay. And if we can find out that this B A M fifteen is going to help us, I p- clearly need more of it. I clearly do not have enough. So that's today's word. Adds um, strength and energy and all that stuff c- could be improved. I have uh, I have said many many times that ever since I be- began having children. I discovered that I can't run a tiller as well as I used to. (laughs) It's not necessarily related to the children, but it is indeed an age issue. Something about that. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's see. Coming up. Oh, Greg's back with us in uh, (laughs) another movie reference. Thank you, sir. You know, I love that. So much fun. You know what the twins have been doing, don't you? And, of course, um, that that's the, the amazingly that, – how, how did we even do this? How did we ever get to have the opportunity to study people, l- releasing their results, uh, study people that are living in space for extended periods of time, and then the ones on the Earth for their comparisons, of course? This is an interesting bunch of work, and it, it is actually an increased – bit of info that will help us prepare people better for extended space flight important implication in this particular um this particular thing is the whole business of that what they were trying to work on are the some of the vision changes that happen over time in space flight and we still don't understand exactly why that happens but it has been observed enough times that that's what they're beginning to look at. And indeed, what they're finding is that, yes, indeed, there are changes, and they are not the same changes as happened in the same population or the same twin, you know, the twin of the, the person in, uh, in uh, on Earth. I, I, The Medical University of South Carolina is the person that coordinated this study, and they are reported in the proceedings of the National Academy. I don't – I really have to say this. I hope that it's not the last time that I get to say that the US, Russia, and Europe are collaborating on a study about space and space life or anything else. We'll see. We shall see. Do you know what taxonomy is? Taxonomy is the science of classifying plants into their species, their genera, their you know, their families, their kingdoms, all those things that you've seen in, in charts of plants. And one of the things about that banana shrub that I'm so tickled about is that that it it shows you that taxonomy is never ending. Um, I used to say that there were groups of people that just never could get out of the hotel conference room and they had to stay there and do the taxonomy it's almost true they do work all the time I'm sure they work you know virtually now I mean and and maybe have gotten the ability to go back and have conferences and stuff but these people argue these people bring their proofs they bring where the plant came from they bring what the structure is that they want to identify it by and they also bring you as the person who gets it a whole history of things for example michelia is the name of banana shrub well michelia fuscata that's perfectly lovely okay but it doesn't tell you as much as magnolia fuscata does which is what the name of the plant is now because it is in the magnolia family always was but in terms of bringing that taxonomic information together i think it really does help us now what distinguishes them what is the characteristic that they share fragrant tepals tepals yeah that's right not sepals and not petals they theirs are merged and that's why we have those beautiful waxy centers and and velvety kind of cupped out outsides for example on the banana shrub and indeed some of the magnolias will have a fuzzy seed pot and then it opens up to this just beautiful waxy flower mm-hmm. those are those those tepals are the, the part that's so colorful that you can see. The rest of the flower parts, of course, are in the center. But it's one of those words that we don't hear enough and we don't understand it if we do see it, you know? I think um, I think Greg and I are about to battle the aliens, uh, and I, I, I like that. I'm, I'm always in favor of having someone to go with me against the ants and the aliens both. Um, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure when they're going to attack <laughs> I am not Orson Welles. I don't play him on the radio either, but I appreciate very much having the opportunity to share a little sunshine today. This is Weekend Gardening.
2: Scratch off game with great odds and great prizes? Try Mega Money, the new $20 game from the Mississippi Lottery. Mega Money is packed with fun and loaded with prizes starting at $40, plus the best odds ever to win $500. Mega Money even has 10 top prizes of $100,000. Play Mega Money by the Mississippi Lottery today and have fun, y'all. Gambling problem? Call 1
5: 800 522 4700.
6: The car you deserve at Bob Boy Honda.
0: You probably know that there's distribution issues impacting automakers across the industry.
6: But that won't stop us from getting you the ride of your dreams.
0: Here's how to reserve the new car, truck, or SUV that you want.
6: Step one, come to Bob Boyd and test drive a car, truck, or SUV.
0: Step two, reserve the Honda you want from our huge allocated inventory arriving daily.
6: Step three, when your ride arrives, come down,
1: pick it up, and it's that easy. Come on to Bob Boyd Honda, let's get you a deal. deal.
2: You're the one everyone looks to for answers. Come rain or shine, the job must get done, and you're the one who makes it happen. We get you, Jackie in Fresno, putting your employee safety first, and Manny in Chattanooga, whose local Granger team knows him by name. We're here for you and all the ones who get it done, with 24 7 customer support and access to product specialists to help you find what you need. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. April is Gravely Mow the Distance Month at Revel Ace Hardware and Revel Outdoor Power. Save up to $2,000 off retail on select models, plus even more savings on customized package deals. Get 0% financing and pick your own Mow the Distance bonus. Free oil change, or free set of blades, or a free service kit. Hurry, the first 50 Gravely buyers receive a gift certificate for up to $200. Say big right now during Gravely Mow the Distance Month at Revel Ace and Revel Outdoor. Learn more at reveloutdoor.com and Facebook.
3: This is weekend gardening for a holiday weekend. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. I I, uh, I have a, a friend who lives in Costa Rica who has always made the dyed eggs that are so fancy that are a, a traditional part of Ukraine's celebrations. And I know that the folks around the world that are enjoying These times together cannot have that particular ceremony and service and ritual very far from their hearts because so many people in their background are not able to take part in that this year. Um, She is, of course, she's someone I knew in college, but, you know, all of us have a background somewhere. I've often said that if you look at welsh sea captains you can see my face because that's where my family that's where that's that part of my family got expressed here it's an interesting bunch of things how we are all connected on this earth we have many more things in common than we ever have to separate us if we just look a little bit deeper speaking of looking a little deeper i don't know if i want to know this but there are hundreds of new mammal species waiting to be found <clears throat> but they're mostly bats and rodents. <laughs> do we want to know that? Do we even need to know that? Yes, of course we need to know that. The Ohio State University um, has begun ex- explaining this. What they tried to do was to put together the genetic analysis of the species that we understand and therefore be able to understand where the holes and gaps are in that particular um, p- process. The, she analyzed millions this woman clearly has more patients than I do. Millions of publicly available gene sequences from more than four thousand mammal species. Thank you very much, as well as the data that tells you where they live, um, what kind of environment they prefer, the life history of that group, and other things that might be relevant, such as their breeding habits or their nesting habits or something like that. Um, she says you can't do what you can't tell what they are different, how they are different, until you do that genetic analysis, and by doing that and then doing just the very minimal the very minimal projections of the that the computer can do to explain what else you might find we are now into not just knowing that which we've always known that really only maybe 10% at most of earth's species have been formally described anyway now we know where they are and what they are because we understand where the genetic holes are and I, i've got to tell you Okay, I love bats. Okay, there's certain rodents that I can stand, but do I really need hundreds more? I don't know. Shrews, you know, moles, all of those. Anyway, just something to consider. If you are, uh, if you're lucky enough to have a, a student, a friend at the Ohio State University, you may want to find out more about that. You may not, but you may want to know more about that. Yes, we do need more bats. I will agree with you on that one, Ken, for sure. I have uh I've been there though when there were too many of them and they had taken up residence in an attic where they were not they were not finding enough to eat either, so they needed to be freed from there. And they were, and they were. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven and of course that is the Super Talk call line. If you'd like to text in, the c text line is available to you 601-879-4395. Let's go to West Point and talk to Doug. Hey, Doug, tell me about your cantaloupes.
4: Uh, let me ask you this. Sure. I hear y'all talk about squash as a female and a male flower. Uh-huh. Does the cantaloupe have the same?
3: Pretty much. All the melons do, gourds too. They're just more pronounced in something like yellow squash. It's easier to tell the difference. Okay. And uh,
4: I'm going to give you a tip that works. If you have a problem with squirrels, you can put a bar of ivory soap out.
3: But I like my ivory soap. I don't want to give it to the squirrels. (laughs) Doug, you remind me of one of the nicest people that I ever met who said that she in 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 you know back when there was a popular gift that was the soap on a rope, and her husband hated them, and she would hang those in the gardens and they kept the squirrels and any number of other things away <laughs> I do love that so much fun he you 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 can't I'm not going to share my ivory with him, but if I had spare soap and i I probably do if I looked around, that would not be a bad thing to attempt the one that I did not like and still won't do is go and buy a package of cloth diapers, like for a baby that, that you're not going to use on the baby. Get the cloth diapers, dip them in bleach, and hang them around the garden. And that seems to be effective on deer as well as squirrels. I don't want to look at that. I didn't want to look at the soap on the rope either, but I thought it was pretty clever that she found something. She said, there's a drawer full of them in her house because everybody gave. It was a popular thing there for a while. Not so much anymore, but a very popular thing before. Um, One of the melons that I don't think we grow enough in that whole, you know, we don't think about the gourds. We don't think about the loofah sponges. We don't think, which is actually more like a cucumber, but we, we don't think about those. In terms of starting things a little bit early, for example, if you want to harvest, if, you, if you're in the the if you're in zone eight a seven b, and you want to harvest your pumpkin at Halloween, coming up around May because you want to get it in the ground and be have it be growing in June, you can start that in a, a one gallon pot and end up with a plant that's much bigger than a seedling and yet easy to transplant because it's in that big pot. I mean, it has you've given it plenty of room, you're not. But our problem with squash sometimes is that our transplants have tiny little really compacted roots and it's difficult to move those without damaging them. And squashes are kind of, you know, the whole pepo family is kind of persnickety about that. I think they may have been why root stimulator fertilizer was invented, to try and help repair some of that. But we also have to know that there's an awful lot of things that we can start a little earlier as well, things like candelabra trees. You want those flowers in Zone 8 in late summer? They're going to need to be in a one-gallon container and about a foot tall when you put them out by the time the soil warms up in May to put them out. Um, That's the same reason why in zone 8 and zone 7b we use shorter variety times for example we'll pick an okra that instead of having 70 days we'll have 50 or we'll have even less than that in some cases before it begins to bear so that we can wait until the soil is warmed up to plant it and still have the opportunity to get plenty of, of okra off of it in the summertime Just some some thoughts and ideas for you that you may not have considered, but we do get ahead of things sometimes when we do that. We get get a chance to put out things in our late spring that are going to be beautiful but not in cold soil. Now, on the other hand, I'm still kind of jealous. I'm a little bit jealous of a whole patch of lettuce that has to be dug up and moved around. Thank you very much, Jody. Appreciate that. I I know that the folks in who are in Zone Eight B, Zone Nine, that means going, say, um, south of, well, south of Interstate Twenty, more like down around Macomb and that area, y'all get much, much warmer, and then Hattiesburg even, and of course all the way to the coast, and then over into New Orleans, hey y'all, and over into Mobile, good morning, how y'all doing in Fairhope, I appreciate y'all listening. Um, There's a lot of opportunity to start things a little sooner, but y'all still sometimes go with shorter season varieties so you can get in two crops, and that's part of why Y'all have, have a whole abundance to grow, both in flowers and in vegetables, that we don't always have up here in the middle of Zone 8, where I am. The art of smell, my friends. Yeah, a lot of sensory studies coming around this particular time of the year. What do you hear? How do you hear it? What do you hear? If you few and I listen to the same piece of music, do we hear the same things? Not usually. And what about smell? Do we smell? as if we were smelling one thing? Does it work that way? Or is it more like that piece of music? In other words... Does it develop and continue and go on? I have said that uh, at times, I can, well, I can remember one specifically going into the rose garden in Portland, Oregon, and, and and realizing that the smells were different, but they were all roses, and that was a beautiful day. That was a great experience. The people that I was walking around with didn't have that experience. It's like, well, it all smells like roses to me. I said, yeah, but they're different. You know, <laughs> this one smells like lemons. This one smells no. Well, that was just me. So I I think understanding that different people experience things differently gives us the opportunity both to understand how come we have so much opportunity to do these things. In other words, you can go and you can become a rosemary aficionado and, and only want to ever smell that. Or you might decide you want to learn the smells of every herb that's out there. Either way, your brain process is going to go one way or the both. Perhaps you may be going with the short-term immediate experience, but you may also be carrying some of that with you. So it's pretty interesting. All of this, of course, has to do with math in many cases. The University of Rochester Medical Center is helping us with our sense of smell, but Music is not, um, music is also partly math oriented, you know. I mean, it's a lot math oriented, but it's a lot math determinative, I should say. Is it a universal language, or does it depend on your own personal point of view? Most of the time, it depends on how you hear. So, this international team of researchers, um, went around and asked hundreds of people the stories that they imagined when listening to a particular piece of instrumental music. Wowie zowie. Did they ever have a lot of different responses? It's really wonderful. Um, the first of it is is that geography has, plays a part. People in Michigan, people in Arkansas, you know, the middle part of the United States envisioned one kind of story while listening to the same piece of music. People in China had an entirely different interpretation, different, different set of um, I- images or icons came into their head. There were more than 600 participants in this from three regions across two continents. And indeed, all of them heard the same 32 60-second snippets. Whoa, that's some patient people. Half from Chinese music, half from Western music, and no lyrics involved. So what they did was to measure within what they thought. The results, indeed, were very, very striking. As a matter of fact, in America, that central part where this part of this study happened, people even used the same words to describe it. But when we got into the other cultures, it was entirely different. For example, we have one called W-9. Okay, W-9 brought to mind, and to some people, Sunrise over a forest, animals waking up, birds chirping. Those were the Americans. Um, in demand, the people who heard it there imagined a man singing to his beloved with these sounds. It's very, very different. They're, they're just such contrasts. It, it tells you a lot about the way that we understand things and the way that we process them. Um I, I encourage you to listen and talk to your friends about the stories that they're seeing. I, I, like, uh, I like that thing. What is it that you see in that song? And I think that's partly what we are really looking at. But it's also how are you connected to it and how much your upbringing shapes that. And it's interesting. We have common experiences across maybe geography more than we have across music. We'll have to give that some more study, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure. Let's see now. Um, that, yes, I do remember this. We've had several hoaxes pass through here this, this year, and one of them is, of course, the clear plastic bag or the bleach bottle to keep critters out of the yard. It it appears to work for the people that, that it works for. I've never, I've never had it work. Um, let's see. What is causing the orange spots on my oxalis? Well, I I don't know. You can send me a picture, and I can try and help. It's in South Jones County, though, so I'm going to expect it's probably rust. If you've ever had orange spots also on daylilies or other leafy um, springtime, you know, um, spring leafing out leaves, excuse me, plants with leaves that pop out in the springtime and are very tender the way oxalis is and the way that daylilies are. We get a little rust disease and we have that particular problem. You may see that that's an issue. Usually we can just cut it off and, and it's not an issue after that. But um, if it's not, if, it, if this is not an oxalis, like a wood sorrel, if this is something else, send me a picture, if it's, for instance, if it's the purple-leafed one. But if you need to protect it, you can use a fungicide to keep it from getting worse but, of course, fungicides don't cure. They just stop. They change the pH on the leaf, and they change the environment. So they're, they, have, uh, they have really got an opportunity to give you some trouble if you let them get too far. So send me a picture if it's not just a common, rusty-looking oxalis wood sorrel. In that case, you can just cut those off. They'll be fine. All right, now, are you harvesting turnip greens yet? I bet you are in many places. This is the time of year that we can be getting so many things out of our garden, and so many things are yet to come. Think about it. This is Weekend Gardening.
1: I told her way up yonder, caution.
0: All of
4: us at the Mississippi Propane Gas Association are committed to providing you with the best possible services and affordable values. We operate in a way that assures a safe, reliable, and economical fuel source. Our trained personnel constantly monitor the conditions of our gas systems to assure reliability and safety. Any repairs or modifications to a propane gas system must be performed by the qualified technicians of your propane provider as required by state and federal regulations. Energy
8: for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com.
0: This is Dr. Will Umflett with Capital Dental. We are proud to offer the most up-to-date technology to ensure you are receiving the best possible dental care. Book your appointment online today at CapitalDentalInc.com. That's CapitalDentalInc.com.
5: Hi, I'm John Albritton. If your diamond seems smaller today than yesterday, trade it for a larger stone at Albritton's. Our certified gemologist will give you a generous, no-obligation appraisal of your diamonds. Which can be applied to your new selection. Whether you choose to remount your existing stone or simply trade it, you'll get the most diamond value at All Britain's.
0: Quality and value go hand in hand at
6: All Britain's, All Britain's jewelers.
3: Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Beautiful fats is Joe. Just lovely. He wants to know if he should prune them. Um, unless there's some winter damage on them, I would not, but I would cut the flower bunches off because you don't really need new seeds probably, and that does take away from the formation of leaves on these plants just like it does on most others and the, yeah that's right i did say that if you let a plant go to seed in most cases it's going to put more energy into seed and less into leaves so unless you want the seed then you should cut it, cut off that stem after the flowers finished so then the energy of the plant can go into the leaves and the roots and next year's flowers perhaps so that's the only that's the only kind of pruning that i would do to these i do love fatsias. mine got hit by something uh, <laughs> i feel like it might have been an asteroid no no it wasn't but it it began to get have to have trouble last winter in the wet season wet and cold and it Didn't really rebound much last year, and I notice now it looks okay, but it's much smaller than it used to be. So I'm having to decide if I'm even going to leave it there. Hmm. The fence behind it is about to get uh, made into a different kind of baffle than it happens to be now. And that really does, if I took it out, it'd be a lot easier to do the project. So it may find a new home. I don't know. It's interestingly enough. Yes, Gloria and I have been talking about her oxalis with the rust. Yep, it's the rust. And this particular rust, oxalis rust, if you want to call it that, um, is on the purple leaf one and not the yellow wood sorrel. So that's one piece of news that did not surprise me. And the other is that um, it looks like, because it makes a splotchy, uh, splotchy rust, sometimes the ones on daylilies actually look like polka dots. And then they grow together and form splotches. So this may be that, that it started as dots and is now blended. But it is also true that if you are growing corn, which is another plant that can have this particular kind of rust, you need to watch out for it. And if you see it on the oxalis and you've got corn, you know, across the yard, make sure that you're keeping an eye on the corn because it may be having that problem as well. I told you that uh, it's a little called a little tease. I told you that I am frugivorous. That means I'm a fruit-eating primate. Mm-hmm. That's right. Just like you, probably. There are a few people who don't, but most people um, do have at least one or two fruits that they like. And I'm not, I don't like fruits as much as I like vegetables, but I do like them a lot. The American Museum of Natural History has given us a, a study. They don't release stuff that often. They, generally speaking, are just maintaining what they have and, and then commissioning really large studies of of strange topics sometimes but important ones always in this case they have been trying to study the amazon now part of that is because the amazon of course is as we understand it the lungs of the earth but it's also true that it's been a very difficult place for a lot of species to continue their life because we're doing so much development in that area so much clearing vast amounts of the it's it seems like it's just a vast and and impossible place to ever knock down but it's not it has its limits just like everything else does so this new focus um that they've put on the birds there has really been looking at the rivers and how the rivers have contributed to the biological diversity of the amazon the question is can that continue so it's um the, the that science advances is the journal where this information is published if you want to know more about it but people like Wallace who was one of the um, earliest biologists to go out and and really I remember readings in some, from some of his diaries in school but there they noted how many of the species lived on opposite river banks from each other and they were so completely different it was like there was a line down the middle both primates and birds they were very very different So, what they're trying to understand now is that how the river makes those things happen in one way or another. And that, in fact, has turned out to be the origin of so many of these bird species. They're also, um, unfortunately learning that, that there are a few, a new bird species at high risk of extinction because of the changes in that particular river where that, which is the only one where that bird is living at this time. Um, I'm, I'm interested in this. I love that just like in you may have you may have uh, come upon an oxbow you may have come upon a place where the river has changed course and creates a big lake on one side or a channel on one side those are those things are part of what they're studying in this this work that they're doing from the American Museum of Natural History because geological evidence tells us that the rivers are very dynamic they do change course they do change path over time and in that case well, the birds are affected, so are the primates, and that's what they're studying, trying to help us understand a little bit more about it. Ken wants to know, um, how does a plant rust? It It is in a humid environment with warm conditions and wet conditions, and the rust organism finds it. That's how it gets rusted. Let's see. Um, is wisteria, I love this, um, Ken wants to know, is wisteria like a house plant or is it an outdoor plant? It's an outdoor plant. And it, the, there are white ones which are a little bit more genteel than the purple ones, but the the American wisteria is much more genteel and much more easy to contain um, than the than the Japanese. So it's just two. They're two different plants that are very closely related. Again, taxonomy. <laughs> there we go again. Well. I don't know about this. I'm, I'm, I've been reading, I've read this, I've been reading about it, and I've looked at two or three other points about it. But I gotta tell you, we're coming to stick around for the next hour because we got ivory billed woodpecker news. What? Yep, that's right, we do. Interesting news about the difference between the moon's near and far side, too. Um, How do we see that? Well, we'll have to talk about that. Talking a little bit as well about my battle against Asiatic jasmine. I don't know if you're having one or not. I noticed um, here, I remember when I began working here, there was a ground cover of Asiatic jasmine in the parking lot in the areas, you know, where nobody walks to fill the space. And... It was probably four or five inches tall. They came in every year and and took it down with a string trimmer. Well, they've been doing that, but Asiatic jasmine is a vigorous plant. And I mean, when I say vigorous, it's one of those that it will, in fact, crawl up around your ankle and pull you down into it if you stand still long enough. But in my case, I've been fighting it, and I'm starting to get ahead a little bit of it. But then I walk here and realize, get out of my truck this morning and look to see that The patch here that I can remember being four inches tall or so is now close to a foot tall and has actually been sculpted around the edges to keep it from spilling out into the driveway and probably rooting in the concrete for all I know, but it's a very vigorous plant. That's why we use it, but that's also why we need to cut it back probably a little bit more often than we do to start the new growth from the bottom and keep it from becoming the mass of twigs and leaves only on the outside we talk every year about doing that very same process to shrubs and um, i'm doing that to a couple of things in my garden that just got too big and had to be cut back but if you're doing that what you've also noticed is that they've already begun to grow and if you want to fertilize i would do it now if you haven't already done that to evergreens that you're trying to or, or even asiatic jasmine if you're trying to get it to grow and then remember Coming around in June, you'll be able to do that pruning again. Less, but you will also be able to prune. If they wanted to come back and cut this one down, for example, they'd have plenty of new growth coming from the bottom and have the opportunity to take some of that height off. So the edge wasn't quite like it looks. <laughs> yeah. we got to talk about trimming those crepe myrtles, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Somebody asked me the other day if I had ever seen this gentleman, if I had ever seen Stevie Wonder in concert. Yes, I did. It was at Jazz Fest. I don't go to Jazz Fest anymore. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a program for a younger audience, perhaps. You can argue with me. But the point is, there is music coming out and about these days. I hope you're having a chance to get out and see some, hear some there's nothing quite like it. Don't you worry about a thing. This is Weekend Gardening. But
8: don't
0: you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing. Thinking about a new car? Think Canon Nissan of Jackson. This is Dave Logan, General Manager. Our sales team is here for you six days a week with new Nissans arriving daily. And we have an outstanding parts and service department ready to keep your vehicle in top shape. And no appointment is needed. At Canon Nissan of Jackson, there's no market pricing. You pay the price on the sticker and there's always great Nissan incentives. See their inventory at CanonNissanofJackson.com. And remember, when the smoke clears...
1: Visit twomeninatruck.com for a free, no obligation estimate.
5: Your
0: home for Ole Miss Sports, WFMN, Flora Jackson, Super Talk, Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros, 601 345 8090.
8: It's Liss Arbuckle, and you're listening to Super Talk, Mississippi News. Just half of Mississippi's public university graduates continue to work in Mississippi three years after leaving college, according to a report from state auditor Shad White. They also took a look at what happens with graduates that stay.
6: of public university graduates were working in Hines County. The next highest county was Harrison County at 6%. So the Jackson metro area is a huge magnet for public university graduates. If Jackson specifically continues to be the per capita homicide capital of the United States, our biggest magnet is going to shut off.
8: He believes that if we're going to succeed as a state, Jackson needs to succeed.
6: So we, we have got to figure out the leadership situation in Jackson and solve some of these very basic problems like rampant crime, water that you cannot drink, roads that you cannot drive on, and schools that you don't want to send your kids to.
8: To read more about Brain Drain in Mississippi, go to supertalk.fm.
1: something great can be even better? (laughs) We do. By adding sweetened peaches to creamy peach ice cream, Blue Bell has raised the bar on flavor. Try a half gallon or pint of peachy peach today. You'll be better for it.
3: The good old
1: days are being made
5: right Bluebell ice cream at your local grocer and pick up your favorite flavor today.
8: Albany Industries is planning a new shipping and manufacturing facility in Calhoun City. Renovations are expected to start soon. When production at the upholstered furniture manufacturer goes online at the end of the year, it's expected to create 85 new jobs. Legislation aimed at combating the opioid epidemic in our state has been signed into law by the governor. It is now illegal to possess or transfer a pill press and similar pharmaceutical producing equipment. In signing the bill, Governor Tate Reeves says it's an unparalleled tragedy that's taken the lives of far too many Americans. Over 100,000 Americans died from drug overdoses in the course of one year. A couple of animals at the Hattiesburg Zoo are expecting. Sue Ellen, the giraffe, is expected to have her calf in late May or early June. Mo, the sloth, is being kept in quarantine to monitor her health as she awaits her big day. For all things Mississippi, visit supertalk.fm.
1: In Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. Baseball action last night saw Ole Miss drop a 4-2 decision to South Carolina. The Rebels fall to 21-13, 5-9 in the conference. South Carolina 17-17, 5-9 in the conference. Tim Elko had two home runs to score for Ole Miss. Game three for Ole Miss and South Carolina has some changed to a two o'clock first pitch today, 1 30 airtime on the Ole Miss Baseball Network. Mississippi State and Auburn had to battle the rain and the weather last night. Didn't get underway until about 7:30. 35, and another rain delay in the eighth inning. The game then did resume at 11.30 last night. Mississippi State held on for nine 9-5 win over Auburn and improved to 21-15, 6-8 in the conference. Auburn falls to 23-12, 7-7. Game 3 is scheduled for a 1 o'clock first pitch, 12-30 airtime on the MSU Baseball Network. Southern Miss was a winner on the road, taking two from Florida International, winning last night 12-4. This is Super Talk Sports, Mississippi. Mississippi, we look out for one another because that's the Mississippi way. I'll be honest, not that long ago, I was unsure about getting the COVID-19 vaccine because I had a lot of questions. And after talking to my health care provider, I got the answers I needed to make an informed decision about protecting myself and my community because that's the Mississippi way. Got questions? Get informed by visiting the MSWay.com or talking to one of the physicians with the Mississippi State Medical Association. Believe it or not, the USFL will kick off their 2022 season, their first in 37 years today in the city of Birmingham, with the New Jersey Generals taking on the Birmingham Stallions at 6.30 tonight. All regular season games will be played in the city of Birmingham at two stadiums, Protective Stadium and Legion Field. The playoffs and championship games will be played on the weekend of August 3rd at the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, the same stadium where the NFL plays their Hall of Fame game in the summer as well. Some of the most notable names, especially on coaches, Skip Holtz will be coaching the Birmingham Staggans. Larry Fedora will be coaching the New Orleans Breakers. Jeff Fisher will coach the Michigan Panthers. Some of the Mississippi players are in the USFL for the Birmingham Staggans. Offensive tackle, Osiris Mitchell out of Mississippi State. Linebacker Demarcus Gates out of Ole Miss for the Staggans. Jordan Tiamu will be the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bandits. Just some of the names out of Mississippi in the USFL that starts today. I'm Dixon Williams to Sip Talk Sports Mississippi.
0: Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you.
3: Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Woo-wee. The ceasefire text line is keeping me busy and probably you would love to join in and trust me it would be a good idea today. Six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. And of course because I just love the sound of your voice. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven is the Super Talk call line and always open to you when I me garden mama when i'm here and that's really the greatest fortune of my life is to be able to be here with you on saturdays so that you can hear live and in color what we're doing or you might pick up the podcast afterwards later on take me with you somewhere or you might be downloading the whole show on demand at supertalk.fm or you might even just be picking up the rebroadcast on uh, the afternoon on sunday sometimes either way however you're doing it thank you thank you thank you I appreciate you very much even if you're my my friend who still makes cassette tapes from the radio and he's a wonderful man so i appreciate that too i had a great question this week and I i know it's not simply the question of this person because If you're lucky enough and you have planters built into your house, like, say, at the edge of the porch, you really don't want them to be empty. That's kind of boring. And you don't necessarily want them to have plants that you got to replace all the time because then they look good for a few weeks, you know, or maybe the pansies, like you plant them and they look great over the winter, and then, well, now it's time to figure out what to do. I suggest dwarf shrubs, if you've got even a square foot of planter that is, Uh, Let's say a cubic foot, one foot deep, one foot across, one foot wide. All right. If you've got that, you're going to be able to grow dwarf shrubs like dwarf sasanquas and dwarf abelias and dwarf barberries, which is a beautiful red color, just lovely plant. But there's so many opportunities then. You can always add some trailing annuals on one side or you can put in some bulbs to give you another season of color. But if you'll go ahead and make the focus of that front door pot, front door planter a dwarf shrub I think you'll be happier about it I think you'll find that it works out better in the long run looks better looks nice most days of the year and doesn't give you any trouble as far as pest problems are concerned because you're going to do what I do and that is each winter at some point just recently when it was not too hot and not too cold spray with horticultural oil to suppress any pests keep an eye on the plants during the year of course to see if anything's developing and deal with it if it does but for the most part dwarf shrubs are pretty easy to take care of i'll tell you how easy i have a dwarf spirea that has been in a container for i don't know four or five years in in one of my areas in the back and a branch fell on it during the storm this week broke the pot took off like about a third of the pot which is a pot about Oh, 14 inches across and a, a foot deep, probably. Well, the spirea is going to bloom now. It doesn't care. Half of its roots got ripped off. Most of the soil has now washed out into the flower bed, and I'm going to go in this weekend and, it's, and take it out and do something with it, put it somewhere, but it doesn't care. Its flower buds popped up yesterday. It said, I don't care. We're going to bloom anyway. So that's the good news. Your plants are tougher than you think many, many times. I like that. Um let's see. Um Patty's in Corinth she's got two gardenias in big pots when can I plant them in the ground I would say sooner than, than not sooner than not Um because we want them to have the opportunity to put out some roots before we're asking them to do that massive growth that they do in the summertime gardenias tend to grow a little bit in the spring but more in summer so if you go ahead and get them into the ground now I think you'll be glad of that Plus, we've still got some rain coming that can help you um, with the watering situation because they do need to be watered. Make sure you don't plant them too deep and make sure that you also are giving them the opportunity to have some acid soil. So if you don't already have compost in that area or something that will will acidify the soil, do that. Uh, that's a wonderful plant and I, I do love mine alvin's and brandon oops something's eating my tomatoes they're in buckets i can't find anything on them um well i have a lot of ideas asks if i have any ideas there i have a lot of ideas but it's kind of um scattershot to not know what kind of damage it is if for example if it's little bitty pinholes in each of the leaves that's one thing if it's chunks of the leaf being chewed off that's something entirely different and since you can't find them it may be that you're having white fly damage because they'll live somewhere else they'll they're over they're living over in the shrubs and just coming over and feasting on your tomatoes so maybe you can send me a picture of the damage or you can describe it to me i might be able to help a little bit more um okay okay thank you biting something is biting the stems um well, stink bugs will do that, and, of course, you know, four-legged, I mean, deer will do that. Occasionally, squirrels will do that, but not not too often. But I don't know. Um, and he says it looks like army worms. Well, if you can find the army worms, the first thing to do is to pluck off all the ones that you have. If you think it's army worms and you can't see them, then the answer would be to spray with Dipel because it's going to create the environment that will not be conducive to them when they start hatching out. It's hard to know what, I don't know, it it does sound like you have a large-mouthed creature because it's biting off the stem. So either a dipel, which is specifically for members of the Lepidoptera, or maybe even a spinosad, Um, you know, I like the spinosad soap, that Nature Guard makes. The Nature Guard is the um, natural product line in the Fertile group. That's generally speaking found at local garden centers, independent garden centers, because that's where they do most of their business. And it's a wonderful product. I use it, and I, I would recommend it if you don't already have something else. Um, I would, do, I would get that. Uh, snails. You would be able to. He keeps giving me these choices. Um, snails would be. You'd be able to see the slime trails either on the surface of the soil or on the stems themselves or on the leaves. And no, Spinosad won't work for that diatomaceous earth is the answer to that. Okay, send me a picture. <laughs> Let me see the damage. Oh, uh, let's see. The, you saw that note from Brian in Louisville. Okay, send that to somebody. Hey, Garden Mama, my white bloom azalea has wilted just after blooming. All the other colors are beautiful. Do you have any thoughts? Yes, unfortunately, I do. Um, Go out to that white azalea and look down at the base of it, and unfortunately, seven times out of ten, I'm going to be correct, and you're going to find a crack in the stem at the base of that plant. That just means that it froze in the winter, and then it thawed, and then it froze, and it's in stress, so it went ahead and bloomed. It probably will not recover. And if you find that split and it's already wilted, this will be the time to go buy another azalea and put in that spot. Unfortunately, it does um it does happen. The other thing that can make an azalea wilt after blooming is if its feet are so wet, you know, in other words, if you have a row of azaleas and the, the the property slopes down and there's water sitting in the property in, in the slope at the bottom, sitting in that area, that will also take all the leaves off of a lot of shrubs, but particularly azaleas. They're they're not they're not finicky, but they do have to have some drainage for it to work. Okay? Well, you know, um, nobody has gotten a picture of A lot of different birds, but in this case, the ivory-billed woodpecker that uh, maybe it was the year before last or before the pandemic. There was so much effort to try and see them, and they felt like they had found one in in Arkansas, and nothing ever really came forward from that. This is over in Louisiana, and indeed, um, since 2005, when the University of Florida couldn't find one, hardly anybody has taken the effort to mount the expedition to the extent that this particular one has been done um you know this this is the loch ness monster of birds let's face it i mean if people want to see this bird they were everywhere they were they were really they're they're large if you have red headed woodpeckers this is a bird that's almost twice as big as that and of course with the ivory bill it's a very distinct looking bird but indeed there are not too many birds that di- I, that absolutely defy documentation in the way that this one has. It has 1944 is the last time that everybody agrees that they saw one. If this is beginning to sound like the black panther in Mississippi, it is the same sort of thing until it can be documented and then documented again and then seen again. It's not going to be considered found, okay? Now, the National Aviary in Pittsburgh leads uh, leads this particular expedition, and I really like this description. I've obviously never heard this bird call. I've never been where they were even supposed to be, much less where they were. But he said he has heard it. It has been described as like hearing a child puff into a tin trumpet. And I have to say, that's really unfortunate because that's not going to be any kind of harmonious, beautiful bird song that anybody wants to hear necessarily. But because the Ivory Bills weren't, did go from the Carolinas through the southeast to Texas and, and on probably, um, they are the big, they're big birds. And I tell you that because one of the reasons why we lost them was because in, times of the great depression and other poverty situations they were very much hunted for food and that sounds terrible to you and me if if we've never needed to do that but i got to tell you everybody everybody has had the situation in their families' past if not their own where there's been a need for food and believe me a big fat bird is not a bad choice the good news is they've got some pictures. They're trying to they're saying it's very interesting. They can't really be definitive. They're comparing them to the images that they already had. Well, some of it's some of it seems pretty interesting, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I you know, you just feel like there's so much that people wish they could see and we wish we could see it. But these pictures are not that great. The good news is that The ivory bill woodpeckers, if they do in fact exist, could care less. Um, One of the scientists, this is obviously an opinion because the scientists can't interview them and ask them, but uh, she says that uh, people who are into birds are fascinated by them. Ivory bills couldn't care less, though. They hate all people. (laughs) In other words, the understanding is that they have fled whenever they were encountered. And if we take for true that they were hunted nearly to extinction, then that might be why they don't care about humans too much. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Let's see. Um, this is Callie from Oak Grove. Can you plant cacti outside in Mississippi? There's one, yes, that you absolutely can. It's our native cactus. It's an opuntia, and it has magnificent flowers on it. So, Yes. Um, just search up anywhere, native cactus native to the southeast, and it is an opuntia, and you absolutely can plant it. It will hurt you. Be, so be careful with it. Um, be, be very, very careful. But there, the native cactus, I love the native cactus in front of a stand of Adam's Needle, the native yucca. I think those are two of the most complimentary plants that we ever can do that just scream. Deep South scream to uh, to me uh, of of the sense of place that we're always looking for, and frankly, their geometry is just amazing. They're beautiful plants, lovely, lovely, lovely. Um. Well, Alvin, I don't know what that is. There, you got your leaves are being stripped. There's got to be something that you can see, either. I don't see any slime trails. I don't see, you know, anything like that. So I'm still going to say it's a chewing insect and to do some spinosad clip off these stems so they can sprout some new new stems and leaves. But if it's a worm, there should be some way to see it, either in the daytime or even at dusk. And if it's snails, I don't see any slime trails. so I don't believe that that's what it is. And it, does, it looks too discreet to be a larger-mouthed critter. So I'm going with either some kind of beetle or stink bug group but they don't they don't really do that work but something that chews so i can't tell you i wish i could but you're going to find it it's going to be there and get the spinosad soap it will solve the issue of them being eaten off that'll work okay all right let's talk to jeff where's jeff welcome in what's going on jeff
4: uh, yes, uh, I was gonna. It's a rainy day, can't work outside. I was gonna make some uh, planter boxes for herbs, and wanted to know how deep I needed to make them to hold the soil for uh, like oregano, basil, uh, lemongrass, uh, dill. Whatever. Okay.
3: Well, in general, eight inches deep is plenty for all those guys. You could do, you could go a little bit deeper for rosemary. You could do a little bit shallower for something like thyme. I grow thyme in about four inches of soil and it just grows endlessly. But the other, and it will do fine in a little bit more. Um, oregano generally likes a little bit deeper root system in my experience. And, um, basil is always going to be kind of the, because basil is such a summer herb, you know, the thing you get more more than root space, you got to give it top space. <laughs> because every time you pinch it to harvest it, it's going to send out some more shoots, and it may crowd the things that are around it. So the others are going to be perennial in their space, and you may want to either put the basil in a different container, or you may just want to give it a little bit more room in the herb box.
4: Maybe 10 inches or so. Sure, a yeah.
3: Now, particularly if you fertilize because you don't we don't fertilize our other herbs but a little bit we want them to grow but we want them to be as full of oil and smaller leaves and all that as possible basil on the other hand we're trying to get it to blow out and get big so we can harvest lots of it (laughs) so we tend to fertilize it more
4: Right, uh, a mixture of potting soil and black cow manure is—is is that okay, or is that—that's good.
3: Really? I would add something a little bit gritty, um, either some something called a soil conditioner or a ground bark, or you know something that's going to loosen it up a little bit too. But those are excellent.
4: Do, do they like uh, magnesium or uh, calcium added too? or
3: well, you probably um, are are. You're probably fine with the potting soil that you're going to buy. It's going to have enough of the trace elements in it. But people people do use Epsom salts in in the attempt to get those other um, the, the other minerals in there. I don't I don't find it necessary when you have a good mix like you're talking about using. Okay, sounds good. Thank you very do, much. Do fertilize them about once a month at least, maybe a little bit more often at the start, but just not all the time, always. Okay, except for basil.
2: What
4: fertilizer would you recommend? Well,
3: I use a soluble that's an organic base made by miracle Grow right now on mine, but I have used all sorts of things. (laughs) I use an Espoma granule that's for for herbs. Um, You know, I I use what's available for the most part. Okay? Okay. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. Ah, yes, my onions are blooming. Are your onions blooming? They sure do look good, I've got to tell you. Had some onion flowers and things um, just the other day as a little saute. I like it. Hope you do, too. This is Weekend Gardening.
2: Want to scratch off game with great odds and great prizes? Try Mega Money. The new $20 game from the Mississippi Lottery. Mega Money is packed with fun and loaded with prizes starting at $40. Plus the best odds ever to win $500. Mega Money even has 10 top prizes of $100,000. Play Mega Money by the Mississippi Lottery
5: today and have fun, y'all. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. April is National Safe Digging Month. Hi, my name's Joe Cordell. Sometimes in divorce, courts require the higher earner to pay to the other party what's called spousal support or alimony. Usually this order can be modified in certain circumstances. But such modifications are often complicated and are best entrusted to attorneys that are well acquainted with such matters. At Cordell & Cordell, that's our business. Remember, you're not alone. Online at CordellCordell.com. Office in Richland, Mississippi. Free background information available upon request. Joseph Cordell, licensed in Missouri and Illinois only. I'm Rex Baker with Gateway Rescue Mission. Every day, I see people in crisis. On the surface, they need a good meal. Deep inside, they need hope. On my best day ever, I can't save anybody. But we each can be a tool God uses to change a life. I want to challenge you. Allow God to use you to help someone else today. Check us out at gatewaymission.org, helping people right here in Jackson, Mississippi.
3: Ah, yes, indeed. There are a lot of songs that mention the sun. There are a lot less that mention grapes, but we we go all that way. We we will try and find those for you anytime we can. Thank you so much for being part of Weekend Gardening. Thank you very much to those of you who are part of the Garden Mama community during the rest of the week. You know I'm always available to you, Mama, on air at yahoo.com. You can go to linktree slash Garden Mama to find out other ways to join in because it all starts here. But you know it does go on. We have ripples that fall out into the whole uh, place. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, interesting texts. Love that Spar text line 6018794395. Y'all are burning it up and it's fun today. Thank you very much for that. Varnado from Louisiana. Such such you have no idea. Varnado doesn't know this. I I have friends on the radio that I consider to be my friends even though I have never seen them in person. I grew up with a whole bunch of varnadoes, and y'all are fun. Let me just tell you. Anyway, um, he, he sent she sent pictures of the fish that are about to get cooked, and said this is the best fertilizer. No question about it. If you have access and can you can get some fish to make fertilizer from, I certainly recommend it. Um, there's also a, a great quest request. What was the recipe for the saute with the onion flowers? Um, that's a good one, and I have to tell you, you can probably put them in anything that you like. A little bit of a mild onion taste in but in my case it was um, a saute of yellow bell pepper and um, let's see what else yellow pepper yellow bell yellow bell pepper onion flowers and then really just some celery I believe were the the three things and then I I used it to to put in some chicken it was really very very good just oniony enough not overwhelming at all All I do is put onion, I I cook with, I saute with olive oil. So I I saute those things in in a fairly hot pan of of olive oil. It doesn't take but a few minutes. Put the onions in last after everything else is a little bit soft, and then you've got whatever you're going to do with it. Put it on rice, put it in pasta, or as in my case, add it to some chicken. Um, This is matzo ball soup week at my house, so there's a lot of chicken (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Helen wants to know what to do about her camellia. She says it's four years old. And I have to say, sitting next to it, barely in view in the photograph in the same bed, I can see what looks to be an azalea or what might be a gardenia, the the, the little leaf gardenia, the the ground cover type. So whichever of those plants it is, these are all plants that really need an acid soil. And that means that being against a brick wall, unless that soil was improved to be acid, when you put it in, the chances are really, really good that just the calcium from the brick, just the the, the chemicals, well not chemicals, the minerals from the brick in that soil around your house does not create an environment that is conducive for these. So what all I would do in this case is get some fertilizer made for azaleas, camellias, and gardenias because it's a very super-duper acidifying fertilizer. Apply it to your soil, Keep the, keep it mulched with a pine bark mulch, which is another source of that kind of, um, opportunity to have some more acid put into the soil. And then at mid summer, say I'm going to fertilize now with a fertilizer made for these plants, and I'm going to mulch with a pine bark, and then the middle of this summer, I'm going to come back, pull the mulch back a little bit and just put down some compost. It's also going to be another acidifier, okay? I think you will be able to help them. Doesn't look like it's pests, doesn't look like there's any problems of that sort. It just looks like the leaves can't it can't grow and it's stifled because it can't get the nutrients that are available to it on account of the fact that the soil is not the right pH. That's my that's my posit. It may or may not be correct. What do you think of sweet sweet what do you think of sweet shrub? I love it. Calicanthus is one of my favorites um, for a small shrub, particularly in the shaded area of your garden. It is beautiful. It is odd. It makes a very funny looking flower that is maroon for all y'all whose teams or favorite teams are maroon. It's a, a natural to have in your garden. And it also makes a really nice um very prim shrub it doesn't overgrow its area very badly at all brian beautiful 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 snowball viburnum i've seen them this week been bloom everywhere it's so gorgeous and he wants to know um he's in lewisville he wants to know how to trim the snowball bush and 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 (laughs) when well at right after the flowers finish you got another week at least before you can do this, but soon after the flowers finish, it would be a really nice idea in, in terms of looking at your photograph. I like the way the right hand side goes ahead and comes down, but I would probably take that very lowest branch off simply because it doesn't balance the other side. And then I would do the same thing in the top of that other side. I'm going to thin out the side that's denser and taller, and let it come, let it be. That have the opportunity to grow together my sense is probably there's more sun on one side of it than the other during the day and if you will prune a little bit on that side that has grown so well it will let a little bit more get into the other side but it's a beautiful tree thank you for showing it to me i appreciate it we have a, a call out for my suggestion to drench um your 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 bed for the fungus fungicide with fungicide from from mary whedon she of course also super talk on that she's mary whedon's the reason why i have a radio career in this part of the world when I came to this part of the world, she was kind enough to have me on her program, and I gave her some advice which worked and she was she was nice enough to tell everybody so it it did it did wonderful for me and uh, I love her very much and appreciate so much that she's still doing the right thing by those crepe myrtles uh, let's see Cheryl's in Tupelo, a friend is giving Linton roses to me. What are the planting trip tips? Don't plant them too deeply. Plant them in the shade of something else because they don't take direct sun very well at all. You can have a little morning sun underneath the edge of the tree. I'm not saying you, that they can't have any sun, but I'm saying that, that that's enough. They don't need much more than that. And they also don't need um, soil that can't drain. So uh, those are the two, the two best choices for me are to be sure that you're doing some the, the people that grow them and have a whole field full are laughing now, but the rest of us can't grow them very easily, <laughs> so that well-drained soil is part of it. And some of it is, too, that they they thrive on benign neglect. They They really do have the opportunity to do better if you're not messing with them. They don't like to be dug up and divided very often. They don't like to be moved once they're in place, and indeed... Just not disturbing them during the flowering season. It means ignoring them for several months and just admiring the flowers. So those are some of the tips about them. That well-drained soil is very, very important. And don't bury the crown. Um, and even in the well-drained soil, don't bury the crown. Oh, that's pretty. Beautiful mock orange. You're exactly right, Andrea. That's beautiful. I love mock orange. Um, for those of you who don't know Philadelphus, it is a plant, if you, if you like the white dogwood flower and you look at it, um, shrink it down to much smaller of a flower, but very many, 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 many of them on the Philadelphus here in the springtime. It's an easier plant to grow. And because it, you can tell because it's called mock orange, it does have a certain fragrance and it is, it's a lovely plant. Um, one that's kind of, can be kind of thickety, so it, you can use it in, in the way that she has done to um, fill up the back space with some ornament in front of it. And, yes, lemon balm in the front, which is kind of trying to take over a little bit. But the lemon balm, the good news about the lemon balm is that you can always cut it off and use it for something. So <laughs> that's really nice. Um, Wishing very many, very much happy Easter, both from the callers as well as from Mary to all of us here in the family. I hope everybody does have a wonderful holiday. I'm I'm confident that the Easter bunny and the eggs and all of that is, is going to find its way to you <laughs> wherever you are. <laughs> Some things find their way to us and we're really happy about it. Sometimes not so much. Japanese honeysuckle is one of those things, and it has, in fact, just taken over the shrub at my neighbor's house. It was almost like an SOS coming over the fence. You know, what do I do about this? The same thing that you do about any vine, including poison ivy, that you do not want to handle. You don't want to handle Japanese honeysuckle so much because it is literally hard to pull, but... It also is true that the newer growth is much more vulnerable to your efforts to either pull it up, dig it out, or spray it with one of the natural products or with a glyphosate or whatever weed killer. Somebody said to me the other day, that's what I use the rice water for. I thought, I thought that was the nutrition in rice water. But – I don't even know what that really is, but I said, "Well, whatever works, you know." And that's just kind of walked on. And I thought about it later, and I thought, I don't know, even know what that is, huh? Interesting though. You do want to suppress it, and however it can be done is really really good. Um, the another question that is that's just really beautiful. The the black lilies. Oh, the um, the the gnats don't really count as. Um, for, as, as pollinators in this sense it's a question from Rhett it's a good question he's growing an asiatic lily which is looking really gorgeous but he's got some gnats so gnats are really not associated with pollination in this case and unfortunately the a couple of years ago we had such a gnat infestation here that we can now find gnat be gone and other products like that <laughs> various places um yes uh, it, it, he asks if diatomaceous earth will control this generally speaking it will slow it down um, so will a little bit of dry weather both of those things will work um, talking about the um, the best pear trees to plant in Corinth for eating I know people grow Bartlett pear there but if you have another one to recommend please let me know because Patty would like to um, find out a couple of varieties to have to choose from and frankly the it's really hard to know. Sometimes pear season is can be a very short time. If we have storms in the summer or if we have really, really hot weather, the pears don't have the opportunity to do what we want them to do. But we can, we'll can, certainly always take your suggestions. If you've got one that you've grown and enjoyed it, please let me recommend it to her. Send me a text. Um, that's, of course, the C Spire text line, six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. 879 Let's see. I'm going to wait, Sherry, until the daffodils have uh, have have died back at least half. I talked about this quite a bit last week because I was in the midst of doing some work in one of my beds that has daffodils and other things in it, where they're out and they're on their own. I'm just going to leave them till they die down. If I need to. Um, change their location, or if I need to, frankly, if they're so crowded that they've quit blooming, you know, because they've either sunk or they've gotten too thick, either one of those is a good reason to be doing some work on them. But what I have done in my case, because these are in a, a bed with other things that are coming on for the spring bloom, I just cut them back by half. Not half the leaves, but half the height, and that leaves them plenty to put energy into the bulb, which is the reason we let them die down above ground, and at the same time, lets you see the other plants, so I think the both I think those things work. Have you ever been the person that I was that had every reason to want to shave their head? I had hair that was so tangled and such a mess, and so long I could sit on it when I was a child. but it meant that there were everybody talks about that oh, I just loved it when my mama brushed my hair. well, I did too, except for when it was so tangled up that it made all of us unhappy. I had no idea that this was a big problem for anybody but me. <laughs> so, the Harvard at the at Harvard John Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. This is this is what, this is why I tell you engineers solve problems, and in this case, long hair knots are the problem. They decided to get their math on and comb explained why brushing is so oftentimes the more effective method really to detangle any kind of fibers, but particularly hair. I really love this. Um, Detangling spray seems to work, but still had to be careful to comb very gently, starting from the freed ends. And by the way, that's hard to do too because you want to put the comb in the middle. But anyway, um, it didn't turn out to be a very good idea for this person as a hairdresser. So since he was already a scientist, he decided he would go and try and figure this out. And indeed, they simulated two entwined filaments rather than a whole head of hair. and they worked on how to get those things apart. Um, you know they, that's that's really it's just a fascinating, wonderful, wonderful stuff. I love it. What they found was of course, that the brush tends to hit more of it, but it also pulls more gently. So if you've been if you've had the issue that I always had that it made me cry when they brushed my hair, because they would take that comb and start at the top. Oh, my goodness, it was terrible. The good news is I'm right. It's a brush. (laughs) I hope that this particular tune is one of your favorites. Um, Leon Russell is, well, he's just one of my favorites. This is Weekend Gardening.
0: In Mississippi, we look out for one another because that's the Mississippi way. I'll be honest, not long ago, I was unsure about getting the COVID-19 vaccine because I had a lot of questions. And after talking to my healthcare provider, I got the answers I needed to make an informed decision about protecting myself and my community because that's the Mississippi way. Got questions? Get informed by visiting the MSWay.com or talking to one of the physicians with the Mississippi State Medical Association.
5: Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's handyman Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. It's time to transcend the ordinary and expect more with Mazda of Jackson. Right now, get 1.9% financing on all 2022 Mazdas in stock. That's right, 1.9% APR on all 2022 models, which will save you thousands in finance charges. And the all-new 2023 Mazda. Mazda CX-50 will be arriving this month. Buy a new Mazda and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Shop right now at MazdaofJackson.com. It's our mission to give you great deals while treating you like family every single day. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of Jackson. Our incredible credit team will work hard to get you approved. 100% credit approval is always our number one goal. Bring in your current vehicle, and we'll buy it, even if you don't buy a new one from us. Don't overpay for your next new Mazda. Get to Mazda of Jackson today and transcend the ordinary and expect more, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Visit our state-of-the-art facility located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991 222 today. Mazdaofjackson.com. C.D. Liberty. Details with approved credit on select models.
8: The King of
6: Blee best made to order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th and Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769- 208-8283. That's
7: 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283. Hop on in to Nandy's Candy for all your Easter treats. Personalized eggs, caramel divinity, peanut butter and chocolate whipped eggs, chocolate bunnies and ducks, hand-blown eggs filled with chocolate, sugar eggs, stuffed animals, jelly bellies, foil-wrapped bunnies and eggs, sour bunnies, bunny empty or pre-made baskets, and so much more. Nandy's Candy, 1220 East Northside Drive in Maywood Mart, exactly where the Easter Bunny shops. Shop online at nandyscandy.com for in-store pickup or shipping.
3: picking and grinning going on there. Y'all heard about the uh, people that, there's more than one of these guys that got bored playing metal music and went to bluegrass because it's just faster. (laughs) Whew! (laughs) That is something to consider, but it is true. It is true. It was not an asteroid, my friends, but indeed, um, there's a very, very different, different, look on the far side of the moon, as we call it, than, than there is um, on the one that we see more often. And now the idea is that the South Pole was hit by something or another. That's, of course, the South Pole on the moon. That would have been something that produced a great deal of heat. And in that, in turn, would have carried certain materials, like rare earth and, and that sort of thing, minerals and whatnot to the moon's nearsighted, but the concentration of elements that would have contributed to this volcanism changed everything on both sides. And that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, the, 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 the combination of the Soviet... Luna missions and the U.S. Apollo program are what gave us the views of the both sides of the moon, the fact that we can see two different sorts of environments there. While the differences in the volcanic deposits are pretty obvious, of course, later on we began to understand the differences all the way into the the whole geocomposition of the place. Very, very different. The near side is much more concentrated in things like potassium um, but but it's not it's not so on the other side and the other side is probably the result that the, the craters there as well are probably the result of most of the um, the result of the impact that created the other side's changes. But look different where it started. It's just one of those pieces that they have to continue studying. But I love the idea that we're finally able to see, well, maybe it was heat. Maybe there was this impact and that's what changed it all. You know, really nice stuff. Thank you for your compliments and your kind friends around here. Um Yeah, that's that's really good. Red, I love that. That's really fun. Yes, they, they are. That's fun. Um let's see. I'm, uh, oh, thank you very much. I'm, yeah, people are dancing to that bluegrass. We'll have to put on that a little bit more often, perhaps. That's all picking on the Grateful Dead, but there's picking on every band you've ever had. <laughs> if you've never explored that world of music, picking on the Beatles is really fun, too. Um, transplanting, digging up, and, and shifting the location of a conifer tree right now is, this is about the end of when it can be done if you're to the northern part of our listening area more likely to succeed than if you are along the Gulf Coast. Okay? Okay. I have gotten, I hardly get mail about worms, but good grief. Y'all have sent me mail. You have asked me questions in public and sent me texts. What about this invasive jumping worm? Now, this is not the flat-headed one. That's a different discussion. We're not going to talk about that today because it'll get confusing. But the invasive jumping worm is getting a lot of attention because it has spread its territory. Um, Originally introduced from Eastern Asia, probably like everything else, in some sort of shipped, you know, produce material or something. And indeed, they they came in um, the 19th century, but... As the climate has become more conducive for them, that is to say, it is warmer for more of the year in much of our states, they have indeed been found in Wisconsin, Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio, Texas louisiana indiana kansas and it's kind of backwards kentucky um anyway what you can see is that they're going down this they they have moved their way up the side of the mississippi river and indeed texas and oklahoma too so the reason for talking about this is what they do is tear up topsoil and we have enough trouble keeping our topsoil together this is um they, they leave behind the the granular soil which is more like coffee grounds than it is like tillable soil uh, I had to laugh somebody sent me a note and said can I have some I'm I'm gardening in heavy clay I could really use these guys to get in here and do some of the work for me it doesn't work like that they're opportunistic they're going to go where it's easy for them unfortunately They have that other quality that we have noted in a few things, and that is that they can reproduce without mating. So that means only one can become many, many, many over a period of time. It is extremely invasive. Um, If you find them, you're advised to, this is probably not going to happen to us, but you find the egg casings. Um, the, the, the the worms themselves do not survive the winter, but their egg casings do as the environment gets more conducive for them as far as going farther and farther into what areas they used to not be able to live in because it was too cold in the winter, even for their egg cases. It's no longer so anymore. So they're looking uh, to try and make people understand. And if you are one of the people that has written to me, understand you're probably not seeing this in your garden But if you do let someone know, and if, you know, not, I mean, you can let me know, but it'd be better if you let your county agent know. And if you have friends that in other parts of the country are dealing with this, tell them to get those things destroyed, get those things into a bag and tear them up and destroy them. Um, In fact, the, the advice coming out of this particular article from Smithsonian is to Put the put them into a plastic bag. Put the either the egg cases or the worms into a plastic bag. Leave them in the sun for at least ten minutes and then throw them away. Don't don't take them for bait. Don't take them for gardening or for composting. Um, they they really do have sim. They, they kind of look sort of kind of sort of kind of like night crawlers, but not really. So they they are different, and you would you would notice that they were different if you saw them. Okay, but when you write to me about it. Please make sure that it's a worm that is in our area that you're worried about. Let's worry about the ones we need to worry about. What about diatomaceous earth? Ken says, yeah, that's okay. You can do that. I'm sure that would run run off at least some of them, but it's not going to get them out, and we need to get them out because the ones that don't make it are the only ones that won't tear up the soil. Okay, okay. Archaeologists have excavated giant spheres in Costa Rica. Why am I telling you this? Because I've been hearing about this forever and they finally got a picture of one and I'm just tickled, that's all. Um, this is the Rio Grande de Taraba where they established co- complex social, economic, and political systems. The the Keese, did the Dequise Delta of Costa Rica. It's beautiful. This is the period between 800 A.D. and 1500 and they grew into large communities. They're just beautiful beautiful they what they're doing now is protecting and preserving these monuments these beautiful beautiful things and then we're going to find out what it's all about sooner or later but if you don't hang on to them you can't you certainly will never be able to know what why they're there and how we got them and and their relationship to the other ones around the world if we don't keep them safe so that's what they're up to um I don't know if, if, if you have ever worked with um a group of people that were determined not to have a good time. But I gotta tell you I should have been talking to you about the uh um, the, the egg contest, I had so much response to that, talking about smacking eggs with different people. I, I don't know if you're going to do that to, uh, serve, to to celebrate or not, but it is an awful lot of fun, especially if maybe it's a little too wet for an egg hunt. You can always knock eggs and see who wins that competition. Um, the University of Michigan is letting us know that older adults mostly want to age in place. Think about it. Your garden has a lot to do with that. Happy Easter. Blessed Pesach. Stay with me, folks. Be back next week for more Weekend Gardening.
2: Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of Telesouth South
5: Communications.
6: 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at com. That's com.